Welcome to Tangent Island. I'm Winter Mitchell Rohrbaugh, and this week's episode <laughs> has been a long time in the making. This is a good friend of mine. Um, Jamenakaya is one of those people who's outspoken, really has a lot to say about a lot of things, but more than that, I really am obsessed with a lot of the work that she does to work with people who have been going through a ton of crap. She's a trauma support specialist, therapist, counselor. She spends a lot of time working with people on sets when people have to understand the complexities of trauma. I mean, this girl knows everything about every, a lot of things. And specifically, you know, we spent a lot of time on this episode talking about things we're just fed up with. Things were over. You know, she has a lot of opinions about things that I wasn't even fully aware was something that I'm just going to keep it real, that people do with the amount of maturity and I think even through the complexity of it, and I'm talking about polyamorous relationships. She's one of the first people I've had an extensive discussion about it with. And she, you know, discusses the capabilities um, required to be a mature and, you know, honest person when you've got multiple partners. It's not even something that I can imagine. Because if we're talking about being fed up, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, even in my own marriage, how would I be able to handle another person when I've got this big, you know, huge, massive relationship with this one person and like dividing your mindset into it, but then bringing your full self every time? It just sounded exhausting the way we were talking about the challenges of it. But she also talks about the community support part that you require and community support in that all the partners are aware and are constant in communicate. And she's in constant communication with each of them about like where they're at again, exhausting. Are you kidding? One of the things that I'm super fed up about because we recorded this, this, this episode about a month ago when I started preparing and planning uh, to do the show and you know, I'm fed up with a lot of different things. In particular, I have to discuss Next Benedict. Next Benedict is a non-binary teen who we still don't really have the, the information and things are fast moving and shifting, but they were murdered. And they were beaten up. It, the The situation is that they were beaten up at school in Oklahoma. And Oklahoma is creating this legislation or already has it in place. I'm still learning all the details, but this legislation's in place, which really threatens transgender teens and non-binary teens. And immediately it's an attack on their personhood. Let's be clear. There's an attack on their personhood, which I find very fucking offensive. Teens right now are going through and living and growing into a generation that is so overwhelming in terms of what their expectations are for them and what they're being exposed to. And if they're going through a situation where they're trying to learn themselves and whether you think it's what they've learned or if it's something that they have were born into, that is, I'm not going to tell anybody what to believe, but I simply think that young people, our brains don't even fully close until we're 25. Young people need care and consideration always and protection. And this child was not protection and they were a child. This child was not protected. I'm furious and I'm fed up with Chaya Rachik, who is this insane person. She runs libs of TikTok. She's transphobic. She's a piece of shit. And she has made it her mission to create harm and to create problems for children just like Nex. If a child feels like they don't have anyone to turn to, they will turn to situations that are dangerous. 
or they will be put in situations that are dangerous that will lead to their death. So they need to be protected and loved and cared for. And I can't believe in 2024 with everything that we know that we have to still say that. That's why it was important. Even though this is an older episode that I recorded when we started production, I had to do this intro this way because I'm fed up. I'm tired of being mis- people being mistreated for being different than what your understanding is. I'm tired of people raining violence and hate on people that are not deserving of it. No one deserves it, especially not these little kids. They were a kid and none of the teachers protected them. Even teachers, a teacher resigned and they're bringing meals and whatnot to people spreading anti-gay, anti-trans rhetoric all while doing so to this person. And I just really don't know where we're at as a society when we're starting to be extremely tolerant of these things. I'm not tolerant of it. I'm, I'm intolerant of abuse to children. I'm intolerant. uh, of people being transphobic. I'm intolerant to racism. I'm intolerant to sexism. I'm intolerant to anything, any ism that affects me or my loved ones, obviously. I'm intolerant of things that uh, affect others. But the one thing I won't stand for is hate. You simply just can't allow things like this to keep happening without starting a revolution. So if this becomes a a, a pro-revolution podcast, so be it. That's where it is, because that's where we're at. I remember when I was 21 and I worked at a company called Tech TV. And I look, born and raised in San Francisco, you know the story, you know the deal. So being a San Franciscan, you know, I grew up around a lot of, people that were, you know, transgender and it wasn't anything, it was something I had to learn about. Obviously my mom and dad are smart, educated, progressive people. They taught me about what that means at a very young age. So there was no shock and awe once I was at an age with agency where I was interacting with these people. It was a comfort level because thank God my mom and dad are progressive enough to explain my environment, which is probably happening in Oklahoma. Their their environment's being explained to them. That's a whole other discussion. But when I worked at Tech TV, there was a woman, I won't say her name, but I love her and she knows who she is. And I loved hanging out with her. And at this time, they were presenting as male. And... One day, they all called us into the auditorium. They all called us into the middle of the open floor office plan. And you have to understand this person I work with every day, interacted with every day, and I loved interacting with them. They they have a very soft, snarky um, um, vibe, but hyper-intelligent, super fun, kind of goth. She might say very goth. But I loved her, and I loved hanging around her. You know, quiet, but like, when she spoke up, so funny. And we were a close-knit group. And she made an announcement that she was transitioning. Sorry to cry. And I thought, there are things in my life that I will think are so brave. Even for San Francisco. There are things in my life that I think are so brave. She was so brave and confident. Maybe she was scared. I don't know. But I got to tell you, I don't know what her perspective was from it, but I got to tell you for all of us, it was like, okay, cool. Thanks for including us in your, your, your reveal, (laughs) your gender reveal. And I'll never forget it. Because she was able to do that in a comfort and not have to worry. And I hope she never did. If she did, she never said so because she's strong and brave. And 
you know, I'm still friends with her on Facebook. I see her all the time. She's got a motorcycle. She's got little projects she does. She lives in the PNW, but she's a very good person. And I think of her all the time and all of my trans friends when something like this is happening. How they have to walk in a world that won't let them be. So I just had to get that out. I'm fed up with that. I wasn't as fed up with many things <laughs> in this episode in the beginning of the year because the year was so great. The new year started out amazing. I'm not saying it's gotten progressively worse, but it's been showing itself. It's been prickly around the edges. You'll love this conversation. It's very honest. I met Jim on Twitter and I will have her back again. And I have some resources if you want to reach out to her and talk to her. Uh, you'll, I'll put them in the show notes and the outro. And I mean, just enjoy. So I would love to just sort of talk to you about what does fed up feel like for you? Hmm. It feels, <laughs> what does fed up feel like? It feels like I'm drowning some days. It feels yeah. like I'm walking through sludge and don't want to get out of bed. Being fed up also feels very fiery and angry. Like it also fuels me. So it's very interesting. Like being fed up, depending on the day, can have me on both ends of the spectrum. Wow. Um, I find that it's fewer days of being in the middle and it's more of either I'm really tired or I'm really angry. Okay. It's very draining. It's a lot. It's a lot. I feel like being fed up feels like burnout. A little lighter than burnout though, because I've burned out, but it feels like right. that impending doom of burnout. Yeah. Right. There's being fed up for me has it's a double-edged sword because I want to embrace the trauma and I want to embrace the moment so I can care for it and take care of it and 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 maintain it um mm -hmm. and try to find a solution but I don't have that I don't have the luxury of time that others are afforded mm -hmm. and and something that I think is very powerful about you is you take on a lot of energy and that is your mission and your goals with your business and the service you provide working with you know trauma survivors and assault survivors you hear stories that are probably the worst of the worst i mean how do you how do we, anyone who is, who's dealing with trauma, how are we supposed to move forward when we are doing all the work, but the world is like, actually, here's some more bullshit. Here's some more bullshit. Let me drop a pandemic on that ass. <laughs> um, honestly, it's really hard, right? Like there is yeah. the, I don't think that, I, I always say that I don't think I chose this work. I think this work chose me. I am a child of trauma. Um, I'll say a hard thing. I always like to preface it. My my mother was murdered in front of me when I was one. That's the start of this origin story. I've showed up ready to fight. Um, and so it's it's just been innately in me, like having the ability to be very aware. And I think a lot of this work that I do is about awareness, right? Like when I'm supporting people, I am aware of what their body is doing. I'm aware of how they're breathing. I'm aware of what they're not saying to me. Um, I'm aware of body language um, to the point that I, I have multiple jobs. <laughs> One of them now is working in professional wrestling, right? No, I don't wrestle, but I am the mental Whoa. health person. So I am right. in the back watching and they'll be like, are you watching us? And I'll be like, yep. And then they're like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, yes, I want to know what you're doing. And it's a lot of understanding also where I am and where my levels are. Sure. Right. Like, sure. I have to take breaks. I will, being my own boss is great and not like, I'm like, ooh, <laughs> I 
gave myself the day off today. You know, we're going for lunch. And <laughs> I love a masturbation that. session. Yeah, a little oh, masturbation, wow. a little nap, a little cannabis. Listen, that's a, a, a lunch break, you know? Yes. Um, <laughs> but yes. there's also the parts of knowing when, if I'm at wrestling or something, I need to do a lap. Like I have to move my body because I'm holding in, as you said, like I'm holding in the moments and it has taken me a long time to also learn how to use my no. Yes. Because yes. I am someone that wants to show up and do the things and help people. And then it's like, well, you got to say no, cause you got to sleep and you got to rest right. and you got to go get that massage. Cause your hip has been messed up cause you've been in the car. And so mm-hmm. That's how I do it. And in being honest with what my capacity is and also utilizing, I would love to help you, but I don't have it right now. Is it okay if I come back when I'm able to? But people get so weird about that when you do it. You know, they give us all these, you, you are so in tune with yourself. You are so, and you are right. This, this, I, 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 I've only heard two seconds of this and I can tell that you were chosen to do this kind of work because everything you're saying is rooted in self-care. Everything you're saying is rooted in, I have to be at my best to give you my best. I cannot be of use or service to you unless I'm doing the work for myself. And so many people do not operate in that energy. It's very hooty who like, like woo woo in the sky, but as a born and raised San Franciscan, that's all we know. So when we had this disruption in the late nineties, where all these people came in with their own agendas, we were like, we're going to entertain it because we're up for anything. We're down to clown, but now you're disrupting the energy. (laughs) And now you're kind of putting us in a situation where it's, it's, uh, you against us. And I just think when you're saying that your world requires you to work multiple roles to be of service to multiple people, and then you have like a little masturbation session, I'm like, that sounds completely and totally normal. I tell my husband all the time, sometimes when I'm dealing with myself in that manner, I don't have like a smiley face. It's a, it's literally like I'm doing a a, a task. I have to masturbate at this moment and then I'll be good. And then then I can go and like actually have a zoom call or I can go and get a clarifying. It's very clarifying. You can cleanse the energy, you know, we're just like a transition. Yeah. Right. Um, it's not I think, unhealthy. I think there's so much of that. Yeah. And we, people, this is a little left, but there's so much shame that rules everything within us. That shame is everywhere. And like, even in doing this work, there is shaming within this work for ourselves and also everyone that does this work. And I'm going to do the quote because I hate this, the work. I hate it. It's, it's, we got yeah. new shit to say, but everyone exactly. that's doing this <laughs> isn't doing it for the right reasons, right? Like, I don't know if you saw it. You probably did. Did you see the documentary series about Teal Swan? No, no, wait, is this, was this on HBO? Okay. The recent one? Okay. Tell, tell us about it. Tell it us. It was lady. on Hulu. Okay. So she is a spiritual healer or whatever. And the documentary was basically around her hiring someone because someone was like, she's a cult leader. And she's like, I'm not a cult leader. Fun fact, mama was a cult leader, still is actively recruiting people. But she, she was leading from a place of her own trauma and putting it on people in my, in my vision. One of the things she said, because it's all videotaped, it's on Hulu y'all for free. If you have, you know, whatever. Um, And she was like, lean into whatever you're feeling. You're feeling suicidal. Lean into it. What? And someone did. Someone (gasps) is deceased because they leaned into it. And so, so I say all that to say that everyone is doing this work. Is it for everyone that it is selfish reasons? It is, you know, you have to have, I was talking to someone about ego death, but you have to lose parts of yourself to show up to do this work. But it's like, not, not the positive parts, but it's the parts that we have to release to, 
to become human again and unlearn, I think, all the societal things that people put on us and yep. just in general. I know I sound kind of left, but it's no, it's a keep lot going of left. Go all the way left up. till you come back around the corner. <laughs> it's a lot of unlearning to show up to be these people that exist every day. Right. Like for you to show up and get out of bed every day, you probably had to unlearn some things like how to take care of yourself. You were like, what the world has taught me that doesn't work. Here's what I need to know for myself. And it's Mm -hmm. a constant unlearning. But then we have Mm -hmm. these spiritual leaders because I've really been into cults lately that find the people that are in that transition. That transition of I'm trying to unlearn, but I don't know how, but I see it. And those are the vulnerable people that screw us all. Yep. Those are the people yep. that screw us all, but the, that vulnerability allows for these predators, the teal swans, the mother gods, the twin flame people, like I've been on it, like all of these people. No, but you're, you're right because I went as far back in my own history to Tammy Faye Baker and how she had an awakening moment within the ministry when she recognized that many people who loved her were gay men who were suffering and struggling with AIDS and that she was seeing that this, this epidemic was rising up within the ministry. And then when she wanted to answer that call, everyone else was like, oh no, we're not doing that. And that's when she immediately disassociated from that. And that was, then she was seen as a threat. So when you talk about the people who do this yeah. work, it it just, it, you know, it starts couched in Christianity and all that other stuff, but then it moves and evolves and mutates into what we, what you're talking about right now. Yeah. Like what, when, when we're talking about being fed up, most of us got into this work. We were, because we were fed up to see how it was done. I'm not the first person to talk about trauma and unfortunately I won't be the last, but I was fed up with the ways that I was constantly seeing people talked at versus being talked to. Right. Right. And so I was like, there has to be a better way, like learning these things. Like I went to school to be a therapist. I went to school for marriage and family therapy. I am not a licensed therapist because I said, I don't think that's the path for me. Do I have another master's degree? Have I been, yeah, school's cool. And you learn these things, but like, how do you put it into practice? How do you unlearn and learn at the same time to be able to show up to do this work? Because it is hard. It is very hard, but most of us are in it because of something that happened to us. I don't know most people in mental health. They're like, I just wanted to help people. No, something happened. Or something, <laughs> something around you happened that wanted that allowed you to start questioning things. Are there the people that are yeah. like, I can pass a test and I know this can make me money because I can put some spins on it. Absolutely. This is also why I tell people, look up who you're working with. Mm-hmm. I'm like, look me up, find, find out if we're a match because I know what it's like to also have a shitty therapist and be fed up in that way. The theme fed up in so many ways. It's like all around us and it can feed us and it can also drain us. Just depends. There's, there's, there's this weird thing that I've been going through for the last year because I've been dealing with my husband relapsing and it was, it was, it was not new trauma, right? Like, like we have he has been working in recovery in his own recovery for years. And he doesn't realize that he is experiencing trauma or processing trauma. And it's because as a white man, he was never trauma. Isn't like a word trauma in that community for, or his let's just narrow it down and be specific. His community is very much rooted in like you go, you, you broke your leg. That's trauma to an appendage, right? But when I talk up to him about the 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 fact that you were born into a world that you thought was set up completely for you and you were going to be contained and he's from North Carolina, you're going to be contained in a community that will allow you to per, you know persevere in this supremacy and then you stepped out of that 
world. You moved to California. You married a Black woman. Like you did all these things that didn't sort of fit that. So the experiences you're getting around that, your choices, which are choices, right? I personal, I made a personal decision is you're being confronted with elements of, and I want you to tell me if I'm wrong in this, in this estimation, you're being confronted with, with a trauma response from people because that wasn't in it, it you, and you're experiencing that response in yourself because you were raised to be a certain type of person and parts of you said i don't want to do those things i don't want to be like that i don't want to have that energy and one thing that i think about his sobriety all the time and when he's dealing with his sobriety is that he's fed up trying to pretend that what he was raised to be is how is the only way he can be. He doesn't realize that you can be all of these different things and exist in one body and not be just the thing you were raised to be. You can evolve mm-hmm. past these things. You can do the work. Yeah. I mean, I think, well, trauma is like any big thing that changes your life that can affect right. the way that you navigate and move forward. Right. People are like, people. <sighs> We're going to drop in real quick. Y'all, I need you to learn the definition of these words that y'all have seen on the the internet because y'all just be throwing words on anything and everything. Like, I'm triggered. No, you're upset. You're uncomfortable. (laughs) This is a traumatic situation. You just don't like it, bro. Like, there's many ways. But I do think that there is the traumatic situations that forced us to detach from them. So my answer to that is yes. 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 Right. Like there was something in there that was traumatic enough for him to go. This is not the move. This is not who I am. This doesn't feel good to me. This doesn't feel safe for me. And this is something I love to talk about is that safety is in two forms. Right. I always look at safety as external. Like, are there things around me that are going to cause me harm? But what about the internal safety of like these thoughts that are being put inside Mm-hmm. my brain, my body, mm-hmm. like these words that I'm feeling, like the energy, like those are the things that people aren't taking into account, Yeah, which sounds like, which forced him to go, I'm gonna go to California and just wing it. I don't know. It's wild. Yeah. Here. It's wild there. Let's see. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I, I know, and, and I want to go back to what you said about people using words wrong, which is the worst part of the internet. God, it's the worst <laughs> area of the internet. It's just like, that's not, just you're absolutely stuff. right. You don't even know. Just saying, just saying anything. And I, you know, I wish that I didn't have trauma, but that's like a tall order. Mm. I wish that I had, I, I, I had been raised in a situation where I wasn't exposed to um, a, a sexual assault. I wish I, my mother were not sexual assault, sexually assaulted. Um, I wish my great grandmother wasn't sexually assaulted. I wish the very reason I'm here, I don't know if you saw my stories about my great, 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 great grandfather who was a slave owner. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm born from trauma, literally, historically in my DNA, more than that. We were uh, Mm -hmm. stolen, brought here, then on top of that, violated. That's my lineage. And so I'm running, running. I'm always, my whole thing is that I say is I'm the promise of the future. (laughs) And the fact that I'm still saying that at 43 years old, (laughs) I'm like, I'm the promise of the future because I'm trying to get people just, I don't do the work that you do, but I think as a community member, as a friend, as a wife, as a daughter, as a colleague, I'm trying to get people to sit comfortably in the fact that your life isn't perfect. Things will happen. That sucks. And you need to talk. This is the whole point of the show. You need to be able to talk about it. You don't have to tell all your business, Mm -hmm. but don't act. We need to stop. We live in Hollywood. People act. Mm -hmm. People like to pretend. It's Delulu. It's delusional. It's delusional. I mean, what are your experiences in that? Like, what are your, when you're, when you're working, you're working, you know, I saw that you're on sets a lot, which I'm so proud of you for. This is such good work that you are providing. You need people to have the true experience. What are you seeing? Like, are you having to bring people back down to earth? Well, first I want to say, and what I, when you mentioned like, 
I'm, I don't do this work like a community member. This is a community issue, right? Mm. Like I always like to bring it back that like trauma is a community factor. Sexual no. assault is a community issue, right? Like yeah. holding people accountable, that's a community thing. You know, supporting yeah. people, that's a community thing. I think the problem is we aren't looking at things as a community. We're not meant to be doing this, this stuff alone. And that is where, let me help you get to that delusional part of everyone's like, it's me, me, me. I got, I got this. I'm in. Yeah. I have a team. It's small. You work with people, right? It might not be a lot. Like there isn't just a one person thing. And that is the delusional factor. I can do all this by myself. I got this. No, you can't. Nope. You can't listen, these, this work that I do, I don't do it by myself existing. I don't do it by myself. We have partnerships, friendships, family. Those are communal things. Like that is not, I'm polyamorous. I'm real communal, right? Like, <laughs> like this is not, it's not meant to be like that part. And it's, it's so harmful. <laughs> it's so harmful. You like that? I love that. I'm still, I'm, I'm just, you know, because there's, um, I have to tap on, tap in on this, the polyamorous, because that is, that is something to me. Like, I don't fear a lot, but the idea about, of a balancing act of multiple partners, I've never been good at it at all. And I'm, I'm just going to come right out and say it. I am very straight. I am very into dick and i just don't I like, I like mean, a secret I'm, I'm gonna just say it guys be prepared i am just be prepared. <laughs> i'm a straight <laughs> i'm a straight okay and i am god damn it i am proud of it i did i feel i said i i literally I said went to somebody straight so proud of you <laughs> I just feel like you can't even so you can't even say it anymore. You can't even say is it anymore. Is this your coming out story? <laughs> this is my coming out story. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just but I but I wanted you to tell me like you know what is it? What is the? Do you think that you are? Does that? What am I going to say? Does it feel greedy? <laughs> Does it feel greedy? You get to have so many experiences. It almost feels unfair to me. Maybe I'm jealous. Mm. <laughs> you know, you know, I grew up thinking like bisexuals were greedy before I figured it out. And then I was like, oh my God, you are a bisexual. <laughs> you are greedy. Uh, <laughs> people like, you guys are greedy. I'm like, yep. Um, I think that <laughs> I think that polyamory is different for so many different reasons, and it's yeah. good for different people for different reasons, right? Like, I know yeah. a lot of sexual assault survivors then become polyamorous to get supported in different ways. I think personally, for me, I think that I was non-monogamous long before I had language for it, the way that I operated. Wow! Right? Like in. Here's the thing that I learned after college. Apparently I had a nickname. It was the goat. I said, <laughs> thank you. But, <laughs> but because I was able to hang out with different men and have conversations, like they knew they weren't the only one at the time. Like, oh, I'm also hanging with this person. But perception wise to other people, it was like, oh, she messy. She a hoe. She a slut. And I'm like, ah, eh, sometimes, but <laughs> like the perception of it. And like polyamory now, as I started identifying and like learning more when I got into sex ed at 28. So I had wow. the best people. Like I cheated the system. I was hanging out with the people that wrote all the books and I could yeah. ask the questions. Like I had the cheat code. I will say that. But from where I was at 28 to where I'm at at 36, my relationships are so different. The conversations wow. I have are so different. Like I will say, I currently have three partners and they are all extremely different types of relationships. They all show up. They all love me in different ways, <clears throat> but also like I spend different amounts of time. One of them don't even live in this country. He's moving here, but he don't even live here. So I only see him like every three months. He's a comet. He pops in and pops out. We spend time, love each other. Um, he lives in London. So that's a whole different time zones. You know, and then I have another person who I see 
less often. And then I have like my, I have a girlfriend, I have a boyfriend. My boyfriend is like very different than my girlfriend. So it's about figuring out what the balance is and what you need. And for me, I like having people around me and then I'm like, all right, y'all don't have nothing to do. Y'all don't. Don't you guys? You should hang out with your wife. That's wild. Oh my god! Well, this is okay because see, this is what I'm talking about. Like, how do you negotiate these? Do you have like a scheduling tool? I'm. These are. This is new for me. To I understand it exists. I I don't want to sound naive. I recognize, but I've never had a one-on-one conversation about it with someone I adore because I feel like it's your personal life and that is what you do. I'm modest in that sense, but I'm very curious. I'm very curious how you negotiate and you just tell them to get up and and leave. You just be like, get out. (laughs) No, I don't say get out. That would be rude. rude. That was so much fun. Bye. Um, No. Um, What I will say is let me make sure this is so, we're still connected. Um, what I will say is when I spend time with individuals, there's a lot of conversations, right? Like people think that polyamory is all this, this sex and all these fun, fun things. Sure. Sure. Maybe. Yeah. Sure. But sure. Really, it's a lot of conversations. It's a lot of tapping in because oftentimes for myself, I will say I've dated a lot of people that were already in partnerships. Mm hmm. And so that can be a little tricky. And so I'm opting into their lives and they're having to opt into mine. So you, you have two lives as you've already been living and you find that middle. So it's a lot of conversations that for some people, they do use calendars and just share them. Yeah. I just be like, what's your week like when you want to have a date? <laughs> or if I'm with, you know, like with yeah. my, with my boyfriend, when we're together, we will schedule like multiple dates. Okay. And okay. so we have something to look forward to. Or like whatever. a package deal. And, you know, yeah, yeah. It's, it is just like a lot. It's like regular dating. You just, what you doing? What you up to? Cool. Now, there are different boundaries in the sense of, you know, some people don't go to other people's homes because that's where their partner lives. And that might be a sure. boundary. Some people don't do sure. sleepovers because that might be a boundary. Like I dated someone for, a combination of two years and we never had a sleepover. I don't know what it's like to sleep next to that person. Mm. And like my partner now, like our third date, he came over. <laughs> like, oh, it's no, so I know. different. We're... It's very, yeah. it very degrees on like, you have to also be okay with whatever boundaries they have with their partner. Right. Right. Because right. you are again joining in. Say I joined you and your husband and you were like, okay, you know, we only want to have like daytime dates um, if I'm joining you together or if I'm just dating you, which is very straight self, y'all, to be r- remind y'all, winter is very straight. Um, but if in 2024 I dated winter and we would have like, oh, we do like getaways, like once a month we'll have like a weekend away. And then that would just be our time. And that would just be our time. Or like, you don't, you know, it, it varies. And it's a lot of conversation to see what feels good for everyone. And just like consent you can evolve it. You can take some being like, this doesn't work, but you have to have conversations. You can't just be like, yeah, I love that you do all that. One day be like, I hate it. Like that's not fair to everyone in the relationship. Right. Right. And so it's, it's a lot of like, Hey, let's do it. And then there's different types of polyamory, right? So my first partner, we had kitchen table polyamory. Please tell me more about this. What does this mean? Yes. 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 So kitchen table polyamory is where like everyone hangs out. Like I would hang out with, with them and their husband. And like he went through a breakup and I came over and we ate pizza and hung out, like talked about it with him. And like, we're very connected. Like, well, how are you? Like, and then other relationships, it's like for me specifically, if I'm in a relationship with you and you have other partners, you have a partner already. I want to exchange phone numbers. Okay. I'm like, if something happens, I want to be contacted and I want to be able to contact them. So that okay. is my baseline. Like if we're in it, like we need to have an understanding. I don't do don't ask, don't tell. Some people do that. For me, that feels weird. It feels icky. Again, that's just a me thing. I want to know who you dating, right. which I've been up to. Like, I don't want details, but like you dating. <laughs> okay. Who is it? Give me a little brief synopsis. Okay, cool. 
this is no, but this is like this is this is fascinating to me because I think I do the same thing, but it, platonically, obviously, I have male friends, right? And mm-hmm. and this sounds so silly to say out loud. I have m- men that are friends, but for a long time, it was. Well, the, 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 is it though? <laughs> it no, no. It 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 it's it's it's. I think that you can be platon. I feel like I am an anomaly I because I literally have no sexual interest in these men. Theirs are they, I love them like girlfriends. They're my boyfriends. And we mm-hmm. talk about, we have, I think we have a uh, consensual engagement. We don't talk about our partners uh, or problems with our partners. Uh, we don't go mm-hmm. into, you know, this, she came in here and said this to me. I, I, he came in here and said that to me. We don't, we don't talk. We just generally don't talk about that. We talk yeah. about, uh, TikTok. We talk about memes. <laughs> we talk about things that are happening in Black Hollywood that are crazy Ooh. and we debate about it, uh, which is rough. Yeah. And, but we're, but there are three Black men, you know, they're varying levels of racial, identity there's a one is dominican and black one is biracial white and black one is just a straight up negro and then there's me and like we're all but the the the, the defining factors we're all in interracial relationships so this feels more like a place yes so it feels like we're in a place as black people where we can just be very we're in very white spaces and we're just being black together and we know we can be black together and when we're fed up Mm. being bringing it back to that when we're fed up with stuff we can we amongst each other drag the things in our little group that you know we can't talk about in spaces that are white right like even with our partners and that's and that's when you talk about consent and when you talk about boundaries you know i know my husband has limitations in his understanding he can tell me all day long that he danced at swv and that he watched soul train and he loved martin and family matters and urkel and all this and he thought i looked like rudy and that's why he fell in love with me he can tell me all these things but i'm Saying, I always tell them, baby, you're not in sitting seated in the black experience. Plus, you are from North Carolina. Your exposure to black people is very skewed because North Carolinian black Absolutely. folks are not like California black people. We are. They are not rough. the same. I have not those the same. members as family members. You know what I'm talking about. That's a whole nother episode for us because I, that's a controversial (laughs) opinion that I have about that. We can talk about it offline and decide if we want to debate about it. I'm telling them you (laughs) met some different type of Negroes and I'm a different type of Negro. I'm from the Bay. We are raw, rugged and reckless. Like this is not the same. We are not the same. So when I'm having these conversations with my, my boyfriends, we're getting, there's no sexual even hint. There's never any of that. We are baseline homies, been for more than a decade. We love each other. We support each other. We go to weddings, birthdays, funerals, whatever. And I think that is, allows me to sort of feel what you're talking about. Cause what you're telling me sounds amazing beyond the sexual element of it. What you, what it sounds like so much fun, actually. I don't think I, now I think I might be jealous. Now I think I might be jealous. <laughs> now it's fun. Um, you know, there's fun parts. It, it's interesting. I I have these conversations with our mutual Dr. John, who all because my partners are varying degrees. Yeah, I got a white lady, a white British man, wow. and a a man that is Spanish, Mexican, Native American, and white. Listen, it's it's the thing. The things is happening. It's a spectrum. But to to spectrum but like to have these conversations of like you still don't get it mm-hmm. you still don't get it and you won't get it mm-hmm. um but to have to, ooh, the fed upness of like there are parts of being in relationships with people that aren't black and sometimes you have moments like yeah i know people can't yeah. see my face or you can see my face i'm squinting in sideways <laughs> i don't know they're gonna see your face i'll make sure they like, see this part <sighs> What? Yeah. Like what? Yeah. I need a moment. I need a break because I'm confusion. Um, but then there is the, the fun parts of polyamory. As you said, it seems fun. 
of being able to have these conversations, like to have partners that are open to being wrong, open to learning about themselves and go, Oh, I didn't think about that. Oh, I didn't see it that way. Or like, nah, you'd be like, no, absolutely. (laughs) No, but that's like, that is like the one I can accept your uh, relationships because I think it, that I think it's, vibrant i think it fills you i think it you the way you deal with it and and process it receive it and enjoy it the passion that you have for it and sort of the pleasure you get from it i'm like incredibly supportive of that and i think when i'm talking to you know a part my my white partner i find that uh, it doesn't happen a lot. We definitely, he definitely knows now. We've been together for years now, but he definitely knows. But like, I think the most irritating thing for me is when he doesn't see microaggressions when I can see them down the road. So he doesn't, he's 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 immediately going to be like, mm, are you being ridiculous? And I'm like, I'm not being ridiculous. And then the resulting, you know, moment happens where I'm like, see, I told you. And then he feels dumb and idiotic for mm. not knowing it. And I'm like, well, I can't make you feel. I I, I tried to make you see. I don't. That's hard. I get fed <laughs> up with that part because I want him to just uh, trust me. Don't assume the, the best in everyone. We're living in a world that is literally fighting against. I don't care how many Lexus commercials have a white husband and a black wife. There are still parts of this country that thinks this is we're, we're breaking a law and we're, you know, demons. They're literally trying to put it back on the books that we couldn't marry other people. Like they're trying to bring it back. Like it's actually happening. I'm, I'm fed up with these people trying to go back and reincite these laws or bring them, give them life again. When we've worked yeah. so hard to be like, we just want to exist. They're like, I don't know. Niggas really be allowed all these laws. <laughs> I don't know. Y'all, y'all feel a little too free for me. Y'all <laughs> feel a little too free. No, girl, because listen, when I went to, I went to a girl, when I went to uh, Home Goods, or it wasn't Home Goods, it was, Big Lots and Big Lots had, I went to look for air mattresses. I said, Oh, air mattresses, $59. Why not? And they had literally, Simple. it was interracial, interracial couples on every single box. And my mind went, is this, I'm so sure <laughs> there is somebody that walked by this and lost their mind because I'm so surprised that it's really been, it's very funny that it's been pushed this way. Right. It's very, it's very much black women and white men. There is, there is, I want to talk to every agency that has, that has decided, has made the deciding. They're like, we cannot put a black man and a white woman unless he looks like Trevor Noah in this commercial, but we can definitely put a dark skin. (laughs) We can definitely put a dark skin black woman in this with the whitest man I've ever seen in this one recent Christmas car commercial. This is literally, I was like, I don't even feel like they go together, but it's just, I'm, 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 I feel more comfortable with the fact that people are exposed to it. There's so much that just, that feels yeah. comes up for this. Tell me, tell like me, the, go, go, the idea. Go. Yes, yes. I'm there's if we really like sit down, I've had my morning tea. If we sat down and really thought about the ways that they feel like only some black women are digestible with white men, like the ways yes. that they push us and presented, it also my mind suddenly went back to slavery. Yep. Right. Like the ways that they were like, this type of woman is passable. We will impregnate her or breed her. Right. Because we're going to use proper terminology, breed her um, Mm -hmm. to continue this cycle. And it's the thing that they think is still digestible. Like, well, I guess he she probably does all the cleaning and things, you know, like Mm -hmm. she in people's mind, like he's the breadwinner, like these ideals still exist. Mm-hmm. Like who knows that man could be at the house doing nothing. And you just assume this lady got five jobs handling everything, mm-hmm. right? Like the perception of yeah. is this is still digestible and passable. 
Which is right. so gross. <laughs> so gross. So gross. So gross. And, 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 and I haven't, I haven't, I never approached my marriage in the sense that this, I always knew that it was, I was going to be the most extroverted. I was going to be the one that is with the largest community. I was going to be the one that was like the bright shining light. And when he, again, processing his trauma of expectation, uh, his processing, his trauma of having to be, I said, you don't, I will, I'm fine without your income. I'll be great. Like the, we, we, I, I'm, I don't, I married you for love. He cannot, he can now, obviously we've been married long enough, but in the beginning he could not accept that I just married him for love. I married him because I saw him. He was fine. He treats me like a queen. He's so, you know, obsessed with making sure that I am happy to the point where he turns himself inside out. And I was like, baby, you don't have to do all of that. Like you literally just have to be. He, it took him that yeah. long to learn. You just have to be. No one's asking you mm. to be, you know, a, a, on a, a, the wattage that I possess. I'm not asking for that. If I wanted to marry someone like me, I would have married someone like me. And that would have been a disaster. Yeah. I'd be divorced by now. I wanted to marry yeah, someone. Life would have burned just, out. Lights would have burnt out. I need a balancing, the balancing act of this. And I don't, I, I, I didn't understand. I thought you could just marry for love until I actually married a white man. And then I was like, oh, we have to unpack all of this unpack is my favorite word. I just literally love saying that because everybody's like, you need to unpack this. And when I say to him, he's like, oh my God. Uh, you need to unpack like where you, what your, what your, what you think black culture is, because what you were exposed to is you're getting a different version of that with me mm-hmm. because my, I'm literally coming from like the most Afrocentric, not even the yeah, most. You from the town. I'm from the town. And my, my parents yeah, were literally y'all different. Like, we're different. It's just not like what you, you, you know, your exposure. And I think, you know, the fact that I come out of a place like that, so straight. So, like, like, so that's, I mean, we need to what we need to have. I need you to come back. I need you to come back again. I'm a hundred percent going to have you back on the show because one, you provide, you provide some, we just skim the surface today on what you are doing, your mission, your work, and like how you are. I, 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 A, need to tell you this. I need to come to on one of your retreats. I do need to do that. I'm going to tell everybody in, uh, in our outro about this, what you do and how they can find you because I want people, I want you all to know her because she's just, you know, when you're on Twitter and you don't really know people and I'm for black women all day long and it's hard to see that a, because I'm married to a white man. So people have perceptions and I'm like, you don't get it. I just like, that's my partner. That doesn't erase me. And I'm I'm, still black. I'm still black. I got wake up black. I got to die black, but I, and a black woman at that. And a black woman at that. But I want I want to raise your flag for my listeners because I want you to understand, I want people to understand that, you know, black women of, and when we're in these positions of service, we take on trauma, we take on our own, we're processing our own trauma, and then we're exposing other people to that. And it's, it, it comes to like a mule situation, which I refuse to be. I decided in 2020, I'm, if you don't pay me, a lot of money. I am not taking on emotional. Uh, as I, all my job is to build a brand. My job is not to talk to you about your divorce from a rapper, which I did this year. And I was like, honey, I'm not, I'll tell you who it is offline. I am not interested in this conversation and I'm not interested in this. I'm dealing with my own stuff. I just want to be a professional and do my job. So I'm fed up with being like your emotional support Negro. Won't be doing that next year. I'm not support Negro. No, I'm not doing that. I, it's time for me to step into what I can provide to people at a cost, but also as a service, this podcast, but I'm not going to sit there and be your it's 10 PM. And let's talk about your divorce from a rapper you shouldn't have married in the first place. I 
am fed up with that. I'm focusing on my own healing 1000%. And that's absent of anybody else. That's, I don't care who you are, parents, partner, stepkids. I'm, it's, it's really about me in 2024 fully in a way that it's never been. So that's what I'm doing. I think that sounds beautiful. I think that sounds beautiful, right? Like the more we take care of ourselves, the more we can show up for other people. And for me, it's like, yeah, I love that. My friends, if I say no, they know they'd be like, don't ask Jim no more. She said no. I'm like, mm-hmm. do you want to go? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't want to And go. when they Why get not? to the point, they know to not even bother you with it. When they know they get to the point where they don't, they won't even bother you with it. She's not going to do it. She's not going to do it. Because they know that. Listen, I pay a lot of money to be in my house. I want to be in it. Right. Feel you. Felt, heard, seen, agreed. I have a pool. I have a hot tub. I don't really necessarily need to, to, to go anywhere. It's a gift when I show up. It's a present. (laughs) You are lucky. And that is how I've curated my life. People are like, Jim popped up. Hey, all right. See you again later. That's the way. Happy hands. That's exactly what I wanted. Happy hands. Oprah hands. Naomi hands. Tyra hands. Bye-bye. It was good. Bye, love. I'm good. I'm good, love. Bye-bye. Welcome back to Tangent Island. I've got the three, the last three. Obviously, Nex's family is devastated, and I want to drop a link in for their GoFundMe to help support um, whatever they need. It's already like astronomical what's been given. I don't think a little bit more hurts. I want to give them Nex back. I can't do that, so I want to donate. And be kind and gentle. If you have someone in your life who is struggling, call them talk to them. And I know this sounds crazy because it's like everyone's looking out for themselves, but help them. Be with them. Maybe don't get your mochaccino, cappuccino, frappuccino and send them a $5 Starbucks card so they can get one. I'm sure any gesture would help. But another thing I want you to do is Don't open up a conversation with the trans person um, with the doom and gloom. They're already feeling that. So really try to bring positivity into their lives. I hope that we can start finding a way to fight these motherfuckers. I want to fight them with fists, but I know that's not allowed. I'll go to jail and you guys don't want me to go to jail again. You really don't. I think the next time it might actually be some time. So just be nice instead. I have to share this article with you to lighten up the mood. It's, I'm going to pull it up here just because I have to read through it again. It's from The Cut. And the writer went and spoke to a bunch of preteens. And when I say preteens, I mean preteens. Like 10, 11, 12-year-olds. And this is deeply... I know we're calling them Z. I feel like we're calling, I'm, I feel like they're alpha. So, but they are definitely Z and talking to the teens about their fashion and what fashion looks like for them now. And you find out that they're really into things that I I find particularly interesting because there is a style shift that's happening. And, you know, they all, we always assume that style is going to pivot kind of whatever it was popping 20 years ago. Kids are kind of going to lean into that, but that's not really what's happening. They're adopting and adapting into a fashion that just really is almost Zuckerbergian, Steve Jobsy X. Steve, Steve Jobsian. I just made that up so I can say it. Um, a brand new sentence. Uh, because Steve Jobs and Mark Zuckerberg firmly, at least when they were starting out, at least that's the story, is that they think clothing complicates things. So standardized outfits, standardized basics. But the basics for young people are very different now. They don't like zippers, y'all. 
they don't like zippers. They don't like the art of zipping it. And I don't know if that's some trauma from being zipped. I don't know what that is. Using throwing trauma around about a zipper is is probably whack, but this is this is kind of where it is. And they feel like it's drama. They feel like it's drama to zip a, a jacket up. And this quote from Joni, 11, no one really wears coats at recess, even if it's freezing outside. No coats, no scarves, no gloves, no hats, just pants and a sweatshirt. I'm over coats in the drama of zipping them up. So look, growing up in the city, I too was over a jacket. You lose them. Somebody takes them. Somebody else picks them up. You never see it again. You could put your name in it. It didn't matter. Your jacket is gone forever. You're getting yelled at. It's a whole thing. When you hang your jacket up in a closet at school, it has your name. Some people weren't, you know, up on game, still took your jacket, et cetera, et cetera. So fair. Jackets, even in my day, wasn't a big vibe until I got a little bit older, But the thing I found really funny about this article is that they also travel outside the city. These are New York teens, okay? So these, just mind you, these are New York teens. They travel outside of the state even to shop at stores and mega malls, big malls, to be able to go to Sephora. We've, I'm sure you've heard about teens in Sephora situation. They go and they spend a lot of time uh, going to... Uh, stores that have a specific aesthetic that they think is coastal. Um, It's just something that I found really interesting, this article, um, because I think that kids in their fashion, they're more willing to be offbeat, slightly clownish. They don't care. They love long nails. I hate long nails, but they're basically going back to uh, what I would say is an era that's probably very coastal, mid, early to mid 90s. And they also don't really like labels. They kind of like mid range labels, but they're not, they're not really into like Nike, but they'll find something that looks like Nike or is like a skew of Nike and they'll wear that and turn that into a, a thing. So I need you to read this article mainly because it's a bunch of preteens telling us that we're whack and they're hot. They're they're what's hot on the streets and and this is what they're doing. So we don't care what y'all are doing. I, I also want to know, I wish I knew what each person's allowance was, each young person's allowance was, because they're talking about some expensive stuff in there too. And a lot of things. They want things in multiples. You know, they want drunk elephant skincare. And I don't know if you've seen like they're getting breakouts and rashes because you're not supposed to y'all enjoy your collagen while you have it. Enjoy your skin while you can. If you don't have acne yet, don't worry about it. If your hair is super fine, don't shave it. You don't need to be waxed, honey, Joni. You're a child. You're fine. Trust me, you're going to regret it. Don't touch anything. Stay hairy as long as you can because in one day, you're going to have to do it and you're not going to have any. And then it's going to start growing out of your chin. I said what I said. And then finally, to wrap this up, Texas Hold'em just downloaded Stream It. Beyonce wrote a country music song. Uh, it sounds amazing. It's fun. I love country. I'm not a big country fan, but I have my favorites. The Dollies, the Willies, the Waylands, the Georges, the Johnnies. But she's done something here, which I think is really empowering, which she's taking the genre back because Black folks created country music. And she's taking the genre back and pivoting into a way uh, as a pop artist. She's doing exactly what all these other bitches would be doing and won't do. Shifting. Does this mean Taylor is going to come out with an R&B album? She better not. I don't want to hear that shit. I'll drop the link in there so you can hear it. If you haven't heard it already, it's number two on the Billboard charts. It's very good. I um, really appreciate you listening to this week's episode or watching it if you're a patron. Uh, If you want to support the show, I would love all the things, but I know that uh, everybody isn't able and I'm not going to guilt you for that. So if you do want to be a patron, go to patreon.com forward slash tangent island, not target island. 
don't take any of my ideas, Target. Um, Patreon.com, Tangent Island. Or you can just leave us a five-star review on Apple. I would love that. I would appreciate that. That absolutely helps me and the show. So thank you. Leaving a glowing review, even better. Would appreciate the hell out of that. This show is produced by me, Winter Mitchell Rohrbaugh. The video is edited by Fareed, who is late and he knows it. We had a stern discussion about it. But don't be mad at him. I love him. You should too, because he's great. And I give him a lot of work and he's super overwhelmed. You know who else is overwhelmed? Brad Parsons. Because I wait till the very last minute to record these shows. Because I'm an Aquarius. And I have ADHD. Brad Parsons is the editor of this show. This is a this is a 2680 production. And I will see you all next week. <laughs>